When was the last time you looked at your product pages to improve the customer experience? You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast. If you're not familiar with our format, well, each month we focus on a different marketing method, could be email or Facebook ads or SEO. And each week I interview a different marketing method expert to explore the latest advice on how to make it work for you. This month, we're doing something a little different. We are all about customer experience. So far, we've covered adding storytelling and emotion to your brand, delivery and your comms channels, so email and SMS, all from the perspective of improving your customer experience and thus increasing your sales. In this episode, we're going specific and breaking down what you should be doing to improve the experience on your product pages. We're going to be talking about template changes. We're talking above the fold. We're going to be talking about what to do with the bottom of the page. We're going to be talking about what to do with your copy, video, etc., Loads of great advice, tried and tested advice coming up shortly. Now, make sure you listen right to the end of the episode because at the end of the interview, my guest will be sharing his quick fire insider tips to help you maximize the performance of customer experience in your brand. And then I'll be sharing my take on it all, plus outlining some more free ways we can help you even more. So stay tuned to the end. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with customer experience expert Adam Pierce. He is the host of the Shopify Across the Pond podcast, co-founder of the Ecom Collab Club and co-founder at Shopify agency Blend Commerce, who describe themselves as the customer experience agency, thus making him a perfect fit for this episode. Hello, Adam. Hi, Chloe. Great to be here. Great to be chatting with you. I always enjoy our chats. Um, so it's kind of cool we're getting to record one to share it with everyone else. So uh, definitely a bonus. Um, how did you get into the world of customer experience and e-commerce? Yeah, so I think, look, I, I sort of fell into e-commerce as I think a lot of people do. And, and it's one of the reasons that I love the industry. So I basically had a number of different careers. I was in consulting. I actually became a teacher. Um, and then I started working in tech. Um, as a marketing and sales executive. And kind of about sort of seven or eight years ago, Shopify was just kind of coming around. My friend, who's now my business partner, said, look, this is going to be something big and we should do something together. So we kind of started an agency. I'm using air quotes there for those of you obviously who can't see me. <laughs> and uh, essentially what we did is that we started off with my business partner building Shopify stores for brands uh, and for me, 
actually doing the marketing side of it, it's the digital marketing side. And when I say brands, you know, I'm not talking about big brands, I'm talking about small startups getting down to the kind of nitty gritty. But I suppose fast forward from that, you know, we we had the agency for probably about four years. And I think there were two things happening. One is there was a lot of competition for different agencies. You know, as a lot of people listening will know, there is a big, big choice out there. And I think secondly, we realized that the things that we were really making a difference on was actually about the experience that customers were having on the store, both before, during, and after a purchase. And I think, you know, when we kind of really nailed down, we said, look, actually, this is an area where agencies are not really focusing in. And we've done some really great stuff. We actually need to basically now at this point talk about ourselves as a customer experience agency because that is exactly what we're delivering for the people that we work with. So I think like a lot of people, it's it's been a bit of a, a wiggly journey to get here. But this is certainly for me, you know, the the most interesting side of e-commerce. It's interesting that you've you've seen that in your journey as a Shopify agency in inverted commas. The differential, and this is what I think one of the impacts that Shopify's had on the industry that we don't talk about quite so much, is that the tech is the same. The tech is excellent. So it means that as a retailer, rather than worrying about server loads or precise checkout setup, we have to find another way to differentiate ourselves that we should have been doing all along. So the the, the bigger impact of the Shopify existing is that we, if we want to do well, we have to focus on customer experience. If we want to do above adequate, it's all about nailing the customer experience. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, as the technology has advanced and become, you know, I think easy to understand, but B, you know, when it comes to, you know, a brand saying, look, we'd like to do X from a technical point of view, you know, 99.9% of the time, the answer is yes. But then the question, like you say, you've got to ask then is that what is the purpose of doing this? What is the impact on the customer of doing that? Is there a solid reasoning behind doing it? And rather than, you know, implementing tech for tech's sake, we're trying to create something to get a customer to act in a particular way or feel in a particular way. And and I guess it's, you know, it's like brick and mortar retailing. You know, a lot of people talk about the similarities and differences. And I think a lot of the time when brands are first starting, they don't think of that aspect. It's more about the side of rock. We need the technology to do X thing because other brands are doing it. Whereas, right, we need to deliver this experience in this way to replicate something that I've had elsewhere, which, you know, people are switching on to, but we're definitely not there yet in terms of getting to that full point where all brands are doing it. Yeah. And I like the fact you mentioned those people who are, you know, early on when they first set up their website, because our, t- our topic today, product pages, is one that I think someone who's just created their website obsesses over. And from about six months in, everyone kind of forgets it. It's like the poor forgotten page of the website, uh, whilst we worry about home pages and traffic and all the rest of it, which is kind of crazy because it it's the page on the site, which is both a landing page, because we're sending traffic straight to it, and a page at the end of the buying journey. So it's this conflicted, poor URL on the web. Um, do you find it's one a page where if you get it right, you can make a big difference? Absolutely. I mean, look, if you look at the traffic for the majority of, you know, sort of mid to, to um, sort of high level Shopify stores, you'll see that there, there, a lot of the traffic is going to the product page. And I think, you know, the interesting thing is sometimes is that there's kind of this perception that, the product page 
is purely just that vehicle to allow people to click to buy. And I think what the smarter brands out there have done is realize that actually all of the, that great stuff and the story that you're telling on the homepage, on the About Us page, on your collections page, now effectively needs to be condensed into that page. Now, it's easy for me to say that. The doing of it, like you say, is, is a lot more complex. And I think that's why, in a, in a way, some brands do sort of forget about it because there's almost too much they, they need to do. You know, they need to give all these different signals and feelings and experiences, but but where actually do you start with it? And we do definitely find that, you know, that brands will come in and they will have tried different approaches for different products. And then all that happens is you have this very inconsistent experience across the whole of the site where some product pages are optimized and some aren't. And, you know, look, ultimately, we all know that our customers that come to our stores will be looking at multiple products. So again, the worst thing you can do is to be having lots of different approaches to product pages because it just it doesn't give that feeling of right, a coherent approach to the brand that you're going to want to try and convey to the customers that are coming. So I know you have an awful lot of tips for us on how to make those product pages work better. So I think we're going to tackle this in two ways or attempt to tackle it in two ways. I'm sure we'll end up talking about both in the same time, but we're going to start off talking about those things you can do with your product page template. So you tweak it once and it happens everywhere. And then we'll talk about those kind of customization bits you do on individual products. Mm. So I guess we're going to go quick wins to slow wins maybe. And I'm also pretty confident we'll end up talking about both at the same time. So when you're looking at a Shopify site, what is one of the first things you're looking to change or frequently changing on a product page template to, and obviously this goes for other platforms as well, but to improve the performance? It, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there one template that works for all e-commerce brands? Just giving you 20 questions in one there, Adam. No, no, that's good. I mean, look, the the biggest problem that we see is the lack of use of above the fold. And what tends to happen is that when you come to a store and whether that is above the fold or above you know, the first scroll is the information that's stored there is not necessarily the right information to have. So I think first and foremost, you know, when it comes to that product page, the ultimate goal here is, is getting that click on the call to action to buy. That's what we want them to do. So we've got to make sure that number one, that comes beyond any other piece of information. It's got to stay at the top of that page and ideally, it's got to remain sticky because as that person then scrolls down the page, that still then needs to be there. From the perspective of that above the file information, the other thing as well that I would say is that when you think about that product page, you are in a position as a brand, when you think about customer experience, your goal is to allay fears because ultimately, when that customer is looking at that product page, they're trying to suss you out. They're trying to do their due diligence. And if the first thing that they're looking to do is to say, wait, hang on a minute, do I trust this brand enough to buy from them? Is the product I'm going to get going to be good enough and fit what I need? Then you need to give them some key information. So things like, for example, on your product template, you must have above that fold, just below that call to action button, three to four, basically, key indicators or social proofs. So what that might be typically is if you have any guarantees, Shipping and delivery is absolutely critical. And whether that is about whether it's free shipping, charge shipping, charge shipping, and then secondly is delivery times. Ultimately, those three bits of information 
are the things that will give that tick of approval in that customer's mind as to whether they can actually approve you as a, as a brand they want to buy from or not. The product information at that point effectively is irrelevant because ultimately if they've navigated to that product page from an ad or from you know organically, you've won them over enough to get to the site. The next step of that decision-making process is actually right. Is this legitimate? We, you know, we all do it. We all click on ads and we say, we look at a sign, we go, is this legit? Can we trust it? It doesn't matter if you're buying tickets for a gig, if you're buying T-shirts, if you're buying beauty products, it's that trust factor. So that's something straight away that I would say every product page have that formula of CTA, trust indicators directly below it, because that's going to set you off on the right path. Couple of quick questions then. Would you include a review score at that point or a testimonial or... I mean, testimonials are good to include in there as well. But obviously, you know, I think the other thing is sometimes is that with those testimonials that, that are used, sometimes brands will put too much information in there. And at that point, when you initially get onto that page before you scroll, you don't want to have a very long testimonial because ultimately at that point, the customer is not caring about someone else. They're caring about them. So you, you, you know, the, I kind of feel in a way that sometimes if you make it, you know, I think a review of look, we average 4.4 on Trustpilot is great or the review platforms of your choice. Um, but, you know, having, you know, Dave from Swindon talking about how, you know, happy he is with the filter that he's bought for his car and that he's using on a Mustang and da, 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 da. I've seen that before. And again, that's just noise at that point. It's got to be short, sharp to the point, clarification, right? I can trust these guys. And with a fashion brand, as well as that delivery information, might you include free returns if you're offering free returns? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, again, that uh, for me, it's another point of friction. You know, we all know that that is, uh, you know, in e-commerce, one of the the biggest problems. It's that return rate. um, It's that ability to um, return something. How easy is the process? How much is it going to cost me to actually get it to me? Those are the things that customers want to know before they even get to, you know, the description, the materials and all that kind of stuff that you know, you'd expect on a product page. Cool. So critical thing on the template that goes across all our product pages is to get the right information about the fold, which is anything we've got that's quick, easy to understand and removes a barrier to purchase, removes and allays some of those fears they might yep. have. Anything else you do to the template as a whole? I think the other thing as well is that from an imagery point of view, making sure that you have a gallery of images and video, and we'll talk about video in a a moment, but making sure that that is as large as possible and is also as accessible as possible. Now, what I mean by this in terms of, you know, from from a, a size point of view, you want to try and use much of that real estate as possible on that product page for your lead images. But the thing that we often see is that when it comes to those galleries, there's one thing that is never done very well, and that is actually allowing people to navigate through those images easily. Now, what I mean by this is that sometimes what will happen is that when you have that, obviously, that lead image, there's one one thing that works very well, and that is having your magnifier set up so that that customer can go and view actually the more intimate details of that image. So... Customers are looking at that point to say, right, can I actually see the quality from this product? That's number one. The second thing is that when it comes to actually navigating through those images, a heck of a lot of brands don't actually put uh, navigation buttons on those images to click through them. 
And what they do is that they actually make the customer go and click on each individual image to review it. Now, if you think about that experience as a customer, if you're using desktop, and even, you know, again, if you're using mobile, if you've got to individually move your thumb or move your cursor to the next image, that's extra time that customer doesn't want to spend. They get frustrated with it, they'll carry on scrolling down the page. So you want to make it as easy as possible for them to go, right, okay, here's the first image. I've got arrows either side of it. I can flick through it quickly and get to that next one. Because again, that's the second point of verification. Number one, I trust you as a brand. Secondly, I like the look of your products and I can see the quality from it. But it, it, it does baffle me sometimes, you know, when we see product pages and those image carousels are, are just not set up correctly. They can be incredibly difficult to use, can't they? Mm-hmm. And then you then you end up on a mobile and you're like, well, this brand has never tried to do this on a mobile yeah. or they'd have massively changed it. OK, so definitely worth spending some time making sure the image functionality is there. Anything else um, template wise? Um, I think the other aspect as well is when it comes to you know we've kind of talked about the top of the page but from a um, perspective of of bottom of the page you know ultimately you know if you think about that product page as you go down you are really kind of you know at a point where you're closing the customer or you're losing the customer as they scroll down it so from that point of view things that work very well that i would again say set up for both of those scenarios is that when you have user-generated content or reviews, that for me needs to be towards the bottom of that page. Because the reason I say that is that, again, that customer is thinking about them, but ultimately if they've made up that decision in their minds that, okay, they're gonna shop with you, that just adds to it, okay, I've come to that decision, so these are the people, I must be right, I feel good. But secondly, if they're not at that point, if you haven't convinced them, You've then got those reviews and that user-generated content of people, you know, having videos or imagery that's in there from them talking about you. Or even if you're new, you know, getting some text-based testimonials, they must go in that product page as well. You know, a lot of brands say to us, well, look, no, we, we haven't got, you know, many reviews on this product. Well, that's fine, but you will have some reviews. So don't worry about maybe installing that reviews app, but create a block or a section that has your best customer testimonial that is there. Because again, that's the last thing you want to be on the page to tick one of those two boxes. So if we're putting the reviews to the bottom, what's your perspective on product cross-sells or you might also like and that kind of thing, which also tends to lurk around at the bottom mm. in various levels of usefulness and completely non-usefulness? That, that's the, the crux of it though. Now, I have a bit of a, a love-hate relationship with, with kind of cross-sell up, sell apps and, and the recommendations that you see. Unfortunately, I would say about 75% of brands at the moment are purely relying on that tech to do its own job, i.e., um, you know, we have a red T-shirt. Here is another red T-shirt. Here is a, you know, a slightly smaller red T-shirt. If honestly, I think the technical term is it's pants. It, look, it doesn't work. The ways that we kind of recommend that you go about doing that is that when you are in that position of having those tools that recommend the products, I think you can do one of two things. One thing that works very well is that you then want to have a section that will say, shop the look or get the whole look, something along those lines. Basically taking that product and then either having some lifestyle imagery where it's being worn or used or eaten with other products is number one. And then secondly, 
giving them really kind of that picture, that storyboard in their mind of what it's going to be like to own that product. Because I think in that scenario, there's two things you've got to do here. One is that it might be the case that they find another product that they might look for that might be better than the one they're looking at. But secondly, you've also got to use that feature as a way for them to say, right, I buy into this idea of buying the red T-shirt that will then go with the blue jeans and the white shoes because that, again, is another factor that's going to lead them to purchasing that first product. So I think we've just got to make sure when we're using those that it's not just about you know relying on some algorithm that's in that piece of tech. It's actually based on what you've seen from your data makes sense that people naturally progress the kind of a, a buying cycle. And you can get that information, you know, pretty easily. You'd be able to see when someone does buy, you know, X t-shirt, they then typically go on to buy, you know, the white shoes, so on, so on, so forth. So just use it a bit more carefully, I would say. Yeah, there's definitely, and we're bringing, we're moving nicely into the world of customization changes per product here, Adam. Nicely done. It's almost <laughs> like you're also a podcast host. Um, but, you know, previous life, 15 years ago, was setting up these these kind of cross-sales manually for brands. And, oh, my word, does it take a lot of time. Mm. But you can always leave, leave, like, X percentage of your products to the tech, and then do the manual setup on the best sellers, the hero lines, the ones you're promoting, you know, products that have just suddenly got some PR coverage and deploy your time and effort, the manual time and effort in the right places. And I'm going to add one thing in, into this, this bit, Adam, which is however you're doing this, everyone, please set it up so as out of stock are removed from that list because it's just depressing. It's bad for you. It's bad for the customer. It's a waste of space on the page. Remove the out of stock, please. It's really easy to do on pretty much all the tech out there. Right. Can I add Click. a plus one onto that as well, Chloe, yeah. please? Please do. I mean, it's uh, you know that again is the biggest killer, and it doesn't matter whether you you know you're talking about you know peak season, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, any time of the year. Having that is such a bad move when you know you go to a product page and you're seeing that every single item is out of stock, or there is one size left take those options away please 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 yeah you're just sending a customer to a dead end yeah dead ends are bad yeah um okay so we've created you know, we've taken people through what that the template for that page should be like um are there a couple of things you would advise people to do you know let's say you know you take your top 10 percent of products your best sellers because we're not going to be doing this stuff for everything probably um we're going to uh, you know, manipulate and tweak and perfect those cross sales. What other bits would you invest a bit more time and energy on for the top sellers? Yeah, so I think one of the things I mentioned earlier about the the kind of the image carousel is using video in there. And a lot of the time, when you when you say video, brands sometimes get a little bit nervous. I think, oh look, I need to go and employ you know a camera crew, get a studio set up, cost, 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 cost. Please, not at all. The thing that I would say here is, you know, with your top selling products, you're likely going to be in a position where you've either got user-generated content from reviews in terms of video type image, uh, video content. You might be in a position where you've got people reviewing that product on YouTube. You might have actually done, you know, some paid influencer work where you've got video content that are being used. Take those videos and put them into that image carousel that you've got of that product because 
we talked before about, you know, the customer is looking, you know, when they go through there to see the quality of the product. But remember that at that moment, they're still making that decision about from a trust perspective, whether they you want to shop with you. So there's, you know, there's a couple of apps out there like VideoWise, for example, is one of you using Shopify that allows you to do that. And what it will do is that it will give you the ability to just put those videos into that. But secondly, it will also make those videos shoppable. So there are apps out there now that if you're looking at that video and actually you can put a call to action button within it. So if someone, for example, has that video pop up and they watch the full video, you've got a call to action in there that will then actually take them to say, trade to checkout. So you've got that ability now to be a little bit more creative, the video that maybe you previously were showing away from. So I think that is definitely one that I'd recommend on those, you know, the high performance, so to speak. Nice. And anything we should be doing around copy yeah i mean the the copy side of things is please 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 use accordions and tabs you know the the problem is is that there will there's always going to be far too much information that you want to give customers now when i say accordions and tabs i'm talking about things like for example materials fit um, delivery options all of those things need to be there but you need to give it to that customer to decide which of those that you want to access you know, sometimes what will happen is that all of those will be put as one block on a product page. So you're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. There's endless amount of information. And if you actually look at your, you know, if you're using heat mapping software, you'll see that people aren't actually even reading the information. What they're doing is they're seeing there's a whole block of text and they're going down looking for the next action for them to perform. So if you've got those as accordions of tabs, it's self-directed. They can then go to that information that they want but it then stops you from having a very long product page that you don't necessarily need to have. You can get the core information to them and keep them as it is. And I think the second thing with copy is, please stop writing descriptions for SEO. I, I don't know how many times that I've had this conversation. Look, Google now is in a situation where it is, I would say, far less programmatic than it maybe was you know, five, 10 years ago. And obviously, look, we've all been in that position where we've had to write a ton of different product descriptions. And what we try and do is stuff keywords in there and essentially get it to rank. The thing is, though, now, because we're in this kind of realm of where, you know, we're looking at um, core web vitals, Google is a lot smarter in terms of understanding what people resonate towards and actually what people are interested in. So if you're writing it to serve that customer and give the information that they want in a way that is written in a human, you know, I guess, kind of verbiage, that's going to put you in a much better position. Yes, I know it takes time, but like we said before there, even if you can spend that time on your, you know, 10 hero products, that is a much better way to go than having that blank canvas of what effectively a lot of the time look like manufacturer descriptions. And it still happens with very big brands because look, we see it week in, week out. Yeah, the copy can be one of the most depressing things on a product page. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, well, look, thank you for all of that, Adam. It's been a pleasure picking your brains about product pages. Listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end so you don't miss out on Adam's insider tips on customer experience, as well as my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further in your business. 
This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. It's top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online Online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Adam, so far we have gone deep into product pages. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of customer experience. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with customer experience, which of course does include product pages. Adam, are you ready? I am indeed. Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? So if you're a newbie, what my uh, advice would be is that I would personally focus on your welcome flow and your email marketing, because that is one of the easiest things that you can do to set up. You can tell the customer about your brand, your journey, what it means to be a customer. And ultimately, those are the people that you need to convince when they first sign up to your email address. So for me, that is a newbie tip. Start with a welcome flow. Perfect for customer experience. Yeah, essential for sales. Such a critical thing to do in the customer experience journey. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance? So for me, it's a two-step approach. One is that I would say you need to have a look into RFM segmentation, so recency, frequency, and monetary. And what this enables you to do is that rather than, I guess, kind of you know, being obsessed with customer profiles and demographics, this is actually going to tell you in terms of how recently, how frequently, and from a monetary perspective, how much people spend, your different categories of customers are. What you can then do with that is personalize your approach on site to case for each of those. So, for example, personalizing your homepage when those type of people come to the site, personalizing your acquisition ads, personalizing your email, so that when it comes to giving those type of customers what they need, you are going to be in a better position to then increase that lifetime value, which is definitely a metric that we should all be looking at right now. I love any mention of RFM. That's where my career started, was doing RFM segmentations for catalogue mailings. And it's so cool that people in the e-commerce space are finally doing it too. Um, not that I'm degrading anyone here at all, but it's such, it's such a powerful method. And we so infrequently get past the recency bit. It's, yeah, um, it's, it's been an absolute game changer for us, you know, when we first really started learning about it a couple of years ago and then implementing it and you see the impact. It just, for me, it's also really helps brand be a lot more efficient with a marketing budget. So yeah, if you're, if you're not um, familiar with RFM, have a Google of that. You'll find lots of great information about it um, and you can start using it pretty much straight away. So tried and tested for decades across various marketing channels. It is, uh, it's going to work for you, everybody. Okay, rather than us wax lyrical about RFM for the rest of this episode, um, if someone listening wants to learn more about customer experience, is there a cheap or free resource you'd recommend? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would have it, go and have a look at um, follow a guy called Valentin Radu, who you'll find on LinkedIn. Uh, he is a fan of OmniConvert. He produces a lot of fantastic resources about customer lifetime value, how to optimize it, and also a lot on customer experience. So there is a lot of a free resource uh, that he puts out on LinkedIn and also on his site where you'll be able to get lots of information that will be very, very helpful. Oh, top tip. Valentin really knows his stuff. So um, yeah, we'll definitely make sure there's a link to his LinkedIn profile and OmniConvert in the show notes for this episode. Uh, finally, Adam, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? All right. So next six to 12 months is going to be customers looking for two things. One is value. And the second thing is customer experience. And you might think that, okay, well, of course, the customer experience guy is going to say that, but we are in a position now from, a, a, I guess, an economic perspective, a little bit for me, like where we were at the start of the pandemic, in that there is a lot of uncertainty and there is also a lot of, I guess, kind of, you know, projecting about how things are going to be. Now, if we think back to the start of that pandemic period, what were people looking for? They were looking for that consistency. And for me, Customer experience is about consistency, making sure that your communications as a brand are consistent, making sure that your site is up to date and giving customers the products that they want, and also not varying, you know, not varying wildly away from the core offering that your offer your your brand provides. Because I think you know, there is a temptation, you know, as obviously the, the economy does get a bit tighter and it is a bit more difficult out there to maybe start bringing products that don't realign to your brand. For me, you know, it's very much like products is almost like services. And, you know, Chloe, you'll know this very well, is that, you know, when a customer, you know, in a service-based environment like an agency asks for a discount, you know, as service providers, what we do is we don't give them a discount. What we say is actually we can give you something, but we're going to take something away. So think about that same thing with your products. Is there something where you can create better value where you take an element of that product away or a slimmed down version of that product to then allow customers to still buy from you and still then continue to have that revenue coming in? Nice. That is such good advice. Absolutely perfect. Well, look, Adam, thank you so much for being on um, the show. Before we let you go, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business? Absolutely. So um, I am a big fan of LinkedIn. So you can find me Adam Pierce, P-E-A-R-C and LinkedIn. And then secondly, with Blend Commerce, it's just blendcommerce.com. Simple as that, everyone. Well, Adam, like I said, thank you so much for coming on. You have given everyone a very clear list of what they need to do with their product pages. Um, many of those tips, of course, could be put in play and still make an impact on your Christmas sales, everybody, if you've got a few moments, um, but certainly going to make a big difference to 2023. So um, thanks for coming on and giving such great advice. Thanks, Chloe. It's been great. A pleasure to chat with Adam there. And I love how practical we broke that down. Right, to be fair, Adam broke that down with clear insight that he's learned from working across the brands that they work with at the Blend Commerce Agency. So loads of good tips there. Like I said, a few of those you could probably still have time to put in place to make a difference for Peak. Certainly a load of things to put on your list for 2023 for website improvements. Um, and remember, there are some things which you can do to your overall template that are going to speed things up and improve the experience and thus the sales that, that do it once, fix forever. Then there's that work you do on the individual products, which 
focus on the best sellers or the predicted best sellers or those you're spending the most advertising money on or marketing effort on, that's how to prioritize it. Because trying to do it for the whole product range, unless you've only got a handful of products, is going to be exhausting and a bad use of your time and energy. Well, you can get the links to everything we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com or use our direct episode links. That's keepopt.com episode number. So whatever the number of this episode is, chuck that in the URL bar and you will be taken straight to the correct page on the website. Once you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And um, I want to thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then do check out all our customer experience episodes at keepopt.com forward slash CX, short for customer experience, because they're going to help you put together your customer experience plan for next year with loads of practical tips and ideas. And within that series, episode 123 we have a whole episode about email and SMS, which was Adam's newbie advice was to sort out your welcome campaign. We are talking about that in episode one, two, three that you can listen to right now. Just scroll up your podcast episode list in whichever player you're in or go to keepopt.com forward slash one, two, three to go straight there. And please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because I want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their e-commerce marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.